Happy Sunday. Welcome to the Hyper Scheme. Today we are talking about my personal investment portfolio, what stocks, startups, and crypto assets I'm invested in. We're going to go through all. I'm just literally going to just open my books and show you exactly um, what I'm invested in and, you know, the percentage allocation in my portfolio. Something I do every couple of months on the channel. It's really fun, honestly. And a bunch of y'all requested for this uh, video update. I haven't done one in six months. So not that much has changed. Actually, a good amount has changed. So um, let's just let's just jump right into it. And honestly, I wanted to like say this was actually such a helpful exercise for me because I never even check like my portfolio or stocks. My philosophy is like, don't look into your returns. Don't think about it too much. Just buy great companies, hold them for the long run. They go down, buy a little more, forget it and, and stop thinking about it. Uh, you like my, my biggest and investment and the most investing I do is literally just buy and hold Tesla for years and just forget about it. And so this is actually a super helpful exercise for me to sort of organize all my investments and be like, oh, what am I invested in? What is my portfolio waiting? Um, I've uh, said in the past, you know, concentration builds wealth, diversification preserves wealth. I'm already a little bit rattled because I'm super in the, you know, concentrate extreme amounts. I literally went 100% all into Tesla pretty much, except for my little bit of Bitcoin um, throughout while I was building my channel the past couple of years. And that hugely paid off. Um, and I think that's the kind of bets that I still want to make in my career is, is really concentrated, try and get a ton of alpha, um, not necessarily preserve wealth, but really try and roll my snowball and accelerate that CAGR and compounded rate of return. And so now even taking a look at my portfolio, I'm like, damn, like I'm getting diversified. I didn't even realize it, but I've been getting diversified because I basically have all of, you know, I've been holding my Tesla position, haven't sold any stock in Tesla. I hope I don't have to for years and years to come, um, except the tiny bit I sold last summer to get my Model Y bittersweet, but you know, worth it. Um, but yeah, so essentially I've been holding all of my Tesla stock. And frankly, uh, I know a lot of people are like, why aren't you still buying Tesla stock? Gally? Why aren't you adding more? Well, I have so much Tesla stock already. And frankly, I think the upside, you know, 10 X. Yeah, sure. Maybe get a 10 X in three to four years, but I'm looking for higher returns than that. And I'm seeing that in the startup space, um, in the crypto space and just more new, exciting stuff. And I already have so much Tesla exposure. So basically what's been happening is I have my Tesla investment and then I've been adding new capital to make all these little investments. And so we're going to talk about all those today. But first of all, Tesla is still the bulk of my portfolio. And before we get too much into what it looks like today, I think it would be funny to look through what it was in November 2019. Um, I had Tesla with 77% of my portfolio. Um, Tesla and Bitcoin were my two biggest holdings. Pretty dope timing for those, if you ask me, November 2019, hodling onto all those. Um, and so this is what my, my portfolio looked like then. Then in uh, January, we had Tesla stock still soaring. But as you can see, I was still sort of starting to diversify down to 70% of my portfolio. And now today, um, Tesla is just 49% of my portfolio not because I've sold any, but just because actually last time I made this video in January, Tesla stock was like 880. Now it's at like 650. So that brought the portfolio weighting down. And, and additionally, I've just been adding capital to different newer investments. And so that is what it is. But Tesla is by far my biggest position. As much as I'm like, it feels like I'm holding this boring blue chip dividend stock now with Tesla, like it's going to compound at 20 to 30% per year for the next 10 years. That's great. It's like this, you know, solid, like, like rock in my portfolio. It's definitely a little bit boring, but the reason why I'm allowed to break my rule of like only get looking for 100X investments, yet I'm still holding my Tesla, is this sort of balance of, okay, what is the upside versus times my conviction in the company? And so I think this is a really key concept of like, it takes me, it took me 10 years to build up my conviction in Tesla studying this company. Literally, it was like my full-time job to study this for like five years straight. So that that's a level of conviction and understanding that I have and confidence in the company. Like, you know, it's one thing if you assume something's going to go up 300% in a year, but you only have a 10% confidence in that versus 100% confidence that it goes up, uh, you know, 30% or you, you kind of get what I'm saying there. So I think Tesla, I just have so much confidence in the thesis. And even beyond that, like another sort of factor in my equation, which I'm trying to figure out how to wait is like the mission, the, the do good side of things like Tesla to me more than still anything in my portfolio by far, frankly, is really moving the needle on hyper change. And I've still been struggling to find a company that is, is doing such a good social mission and gets me so excited as an investor. But I think Tesla, like it's just a movement that I want to be a part of. And I know you don't get any perks to being like a shareholder of Tesla. Like there's no special privileges or anything, but I do definitely feel more a part of the mission and the Tesla family by being a huge shareholder. And I think about like this technology that Tesla has, like, yes, there's Tesla's blowing up anywhere you go on the West coast, they're already booming. But this idea that, you know, how many miles driven on the road are actually in a Tesla. And to me, that's like a really strong correlation to the value of the company right now. It's like 0.1% of all miles, 1% of all miles um, are driven in Tesla's. But what's going to happen here is first of all, we're going to go from a million car production run rate that we're at now to a 20 
$20 million uh, car per year production rate in the next you know, five or 10 years. And so that's already a 20X increase. Maybe that's a 20X increase in people driving around. I mean, on top of that, we have a four to five X increase in utilization of the vehicles if Tesla's full self-driving software comes out. So that's how we can go from you know 1% of all miles driven to 100% of all miles driven in Tesla's, even if we just 20X production and get a five X on utilization. So that's the trend that I think is playing out over the next decade for Tesla's ramping uh, utilization and ramping production. And to me, that's 100x increase or more in actual miles driven for the company. So even if you assume a huge compression in multiples, you know, this, that, and the other, I think Tesla transitioning to way more miles driven to a way higher margin software, like sort of platform-esque Tesla network model, um, I think you have huge, huge upside um, in the company. I just think we're early on in the vision. And I think that's me, you know, seeing this company has so much value without thinking about the energy equation. Yes, Tesla generating billions of dollars of energy revenue. Yes, they have the solar roof, the mega pack, and all these batteries, but we're not seeing that be a material driver of financial success yet. But in the long run, I think Tesla's building up something crazy with a decentralized network of, of energy assets, all of these homes that are hooked on solar with the Tesla Powerwall that are optimizing their energy uses, that are selling it back to the grid at the right times with their auto bidder software. Like, I just think there's something really big at play with not just the auto, but the energy side of Tesla. Of course, we all know that. But honestly, I think it gets even bigger than that when you start to figure out what they're doing in crypto. And I know I get a lot of hate for this, but crypto and, and people think crypto is like such a distraction and not good for the world. But if Tesla can accelerate the adoption of renewable energy by monetizing its energy assets sooner by tapping into crypto networks like Bitcoin and Dogecoin with something like Starlink to sell their excess energy to, because that's what crypto is. It turns, you know, excess energy into money or energy into money at this global spot price that is the price of Bitcoin or Doge. And so that's an incredibly powerful powerful tool in the arsenal of a company like Tesla to be like, okay, like we don't want to deal with governments who don't want to buy our energy. Um, how can we tap into this global crypto network and, and sell, you know, sell energy and then accelerate the ROI of every project? And so that's what I think Tesla's working on right now. That's why you heard them on the last conference call say they might be dabbling with another crypto product. And so, I don't know, I'm kind of getting sidetracked now, but there's so many ovens in the fire with Tesla. Like I think it's the car piece is, is one, you know, three to four, five X upside. Um, and then you have the energy piece with another five X upside. And then there's the robotics piece. Like what Tesla's doing with their supercomputer division. I mean, this is like, I love investing in technology. I'm about to get to my next investment, SpaceX, but like, I love investing in technologies where the monetization is supremely lagging to the technological development. Like, I don't invest in business models or financials or whatever. I invest in technologies and, you know, thinking that the monetization potential of this is much bigger than people realize. So when I think about Tesla in that lens, yes, the batteries, um, I think that's a huge piece of it. But this robotics and AI supercomputer division that right now is being used to train their cars, FSD version 9, to drive themselves is a is a very applicable technology to changing dozens of different industries. When you think about, you know, sci-fi, where is the world going? We're going to robots, we're going to AI. And I just think Tesla's on the cusp of like a huge, huge piece of that by solving this real world vision problem. How do computers perceive the world around us and interact and know their space in the world around us and interact with it and navigate in that world. That is a huge problem towards getting the ex machina future we all know is coming. And so I think Tesla, as much as it seems like it's just FSD, is secretly building like a torpedo or sort of stealth unit within the company that does supercomputers, that does robotics, that does AI, that is going to be an immense value driver. So when I think about the arcs of Tesla's value, I think about an arc of vehicles and full self-driving is a trillion, couple trillion dollar opportunity. An arc of energy is a couple trillion dollar opportunity that takes off maybe a little bit later in the decade as well with some sort of crypto tie-in. And then after that, you have sort of all these X-factor products, like is it robotics, Tesla Vision, Tesla Supercomputer, um, the Tesla VTOL jet that changes flying, the Tesla boats. I don't know. But there's a gazillion different ways that this could go. But I love this idea that Tesla's developing technologies that are going to be just the, the foundational pillars of, of products that we can't even fathom yet, but they're already building the batteries for them and the, the, the neural nets for them. So that's why I'm holding my Tesla stock because I see, despite it being a $600, $700 billion company, like that's just a number. Like, you know, like who cares? Like a trillion dollars is not the cap. A trillion dollars is the beginning. I think there's going to be dozens of trillion dollar companies in the future when you combine, you know, this sort of accruing monopolistic value that tech companies have as well as inflation. And so a Tesla to me is a five to $10 trillion company in the bag. It's just about how long it takes to get there. I want to be along for the ride. And my conviction in that is just so high that despite the returns not being astronomical, I'm holding on to my stock. And honestly, despite me having all these financial reasons to hold on to it and stuff like it's also sentimental and like going back to what I said like I actually just really care about Tesla succeeding in their mission I look at seeing every single roof is not collecting solar energy every single car on the road that's not a Tesla's which is pretty much 99% of them is burning fossil fuels like the mission has a long way to
to go. We still have to hyperchange the energy and transportation industries. I want to be along for that ride. And I think there's going to be savage value creation along the way. It's just such a f incredible, like, I really think it's a once in a century story um, to be a part of. And yeah. And like Elon Musk, like this dude is the greatest inventor of all time. I mean, you're betting on, I, I've said this so many times, but the most important thing to research when you're understanding a company is the CEO. Elon Musk is like 50 years old. He's, he's literally in his like business prime. Like if he was an NBA player, he'd be like 23. He just won the MVP. He's got like the dopest team around him. They have an unlimited budget. It's like, bro, this guy's winning the championship every year for the next 20 years in a row. Like this is a savage dynasty that we are just seeing beginning. And so to have to own Tesla equity is to own the same thing that Elon Musk is invested with the most of his fortune with, which he's savagely incentivized, give a shit factor off the charts to make huge amounts of profit so he can fund his real ambition to get us to Mars, um, which is going to get me to my next investment with the, the Starship. But anyway, so that's Tesla. I just got to get to SpaceX. Number two, SpaceX. 10% of my portfolio is in SpaceX. This is an investment I did about a year ago. Um, I, yeah, I can't even, I like, it just, I'm, I'm so frustrated that I'm invested in SpaceX and that it's not an open company that everybody can invest in. Like, I, I just, I think it sucks. And it's, it's, it's kind of so frustrating that the public markets and short sellers um, convinced Elon that it was too stressful for Tesla to be public. SpaceX has too many long-term goals. They don't want it to be public. And, and there's a huge trade-off that I think Elon has been struggling with, which is like, okay, like I want to give all my early supporters a chance to invest in this, the people who believe in it, but I don't want to deal with enough headaches and roadblocks to make the mission never happen. It's not worth it. So there's a trade-off of actually getting us to Mars, making things happen versus letting everybody who wants to invest. And so SpaceX is a private company. Whoa. So yeah, SpaceX is a private company, which means you can't really invest in it, but you can invest in it if you're an accredited investor, which means you check all these little boxes and you find shares. So the way I got shares, and I said I was going to make a whole video about this, but I think it's kind of pointless. I mean, it's just really like a friend of a friend is like, we have SpaceX shares a year ago. It took us six, actually that was like a year and a half or two years ago. And then took six months of negotiation of doing all the paperwork of learning how to do lawyer stuff of, 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 I don't even know if I own SpaceX, to be honest. Like I wired a huge amount of money to some random bank account and I signed some piece of paper. That's all that happened. Like, I don't even know if I own SpaceX technically. Like, I honestly don't. But so, and and then you have to pay huge amount of fees. I pay like, you're paying like 40% over whatever SpaceX just raised their round at because it's getting it in the secondary markets, which is a whole mess. So my point is, I don't, it's, it's a mess to try and get SpaceX, but I'm happy I did and I ha I'm happy I bought it. And if my math is right, it's 10% of my portfolio. And my thesis there is, the bigger the problem, the bigger the opportunity. I think the biggest thing that's going to happen in humanity in our generation is that we're going to go to new planets and we're going to live in them and we're going to make them our own and we're going to expand humanity. Like human humanity is like a growth stock. Like we're literally like a like a penny stock right now on one planet with like a gazillion planets ready to go to. It's like, bro, if we can figure our shit out on this planet and go zero to one and actually make a sustainable society that works with clean energy, that's thriving, that's not ruining our planet, let's start expanding to other planets and start growing this and really become Star Trek and Star Wars. That's where I think humanity's headed that's so exciting to me like I truly think my grandkids will be chilling on Mars and going to all these different planets and crazy little spaceships and like just having this crazy futuristic um life th that is almost not even human it's almost the next phase of humanity where we're truly among the stars and sort of this next generation intergalactic species maybe we can finally join the alien federation they let us in because we figure our shit out I don't know I think SpaceX is the company to make that all happen and I think like what I said with Tesla like you invest in these changes you believe in and and at the same, it's a, this is why I started hyperchange because I'm trying to get people to be like, why is Elon Musk changing the world? He's not starting a charity. He's starting for-profit companies because that's the fastest way to bring innovation and change into the world. If you actually want to do good, don't start a charity. Start a for-profit company that raises VC capital that that has a fire business plan that gets huge funding up front. That's not you know like that's the way to change the world. That's why um, I think the greatest innovators and inventors of all time use the the model of a corporation to to funnel their ideas and vision into reality. Um, and I, it's just, if, if you're talking about the most efficient first principles, least friction way to get your idea to happen and to bring an invention of, let's say, an electric car and, and commercialize that technology and get it to millions of people, it's a company like Tesla. That's the structure to do it. And so Elon Musk, and 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 that's why I'm so passionate about hyperchange. It's like, don't just invest to make money. Don't just invest because you think this is going to be a dope thing. Like, that's actually, first of all, a bad strategy. Like, you're owning your truth about how you believe, believe the future is going to unfold and, and, it, and aligning and setting up your capital to, to 
you know, benefit from the entities that are building that future. Like that's what you should be doing. And so it's so ironic to me that people will like look for investments that aren't morally aligned with what they're doing. And then they fail. And it's like, dude, of course, of course, oil companies suck. Like you knew that was going to happen, but you just like thought this was a hot stock pick. Cause you read, I don't even know oil companies. There's a gazillion examples of this, but my point being here is that like, I just SpaceX and Tesla to me, and this is why Elon's so special. And I feel like people hate me because I'm like, like even at, I was just at I kickback with my friends and I'm trying, I'm having to like explain why Elon's dope. They're like, Gally, do you really like Elon? And of course I'm like going on some rant, you know, I'm like, yeah, like I actually am obsessed with Elon because like I, w w we were struggling, like climate change, nobody was fixing it. There was no roadmap to electric cars. Like we were just going to destroy this planet and not go to Mars. Like that sucked. And that was a super depressing spiral that humanity was on until the course of humanity literally was changed by the formation of Tesla and SpaceX. And I know that sounds so corny and like dramatic to say, but it's just the truth. And I feel like it's the fact that that's a contrarian take to me is so like people are never not going to remember Steve Jobs. They're going to remember Elon Musk. Like it just people are it just the fact that people don't can't fathom and wrap their head around how special of a person this is and how crazy of a moment in humanity's history we are where we're hyper changing everything. And like this is deciding whether we're going to be this epic multiplanetary species or we're going to ruin our planet and just in flames like some straight up idiocracy shit like this is just such a big moment. And Elon is the one pushing us in the right direction forward and creating this movement that's around optimism, positivity. And so that is just something so like, oh man, I just can't even like, like, yeah, that's all feel good and, and, and great. And then it's like, look at this, like, okay, shout out to Tom from daddy who oh, I guess I'll talk about, but this is, um, the starship. So this is, you know, or it's a 3d printed version of the starship, not the real one, but yeah, it's like, this is the product, like Elon Musk, SpaceX coming up with this savage new rocket design testing. You can see on the internet, they're like, blows up like i don't know this is what's going to take us to mars this is what's going to take cargo all around the world i guess we can go to new york from shanghai with this in 30 minutes like this this is the technology that is worth hundreds of billions or trillions of dollars of market cap to spacex but isn't generating a dollar on the financial statements today and so why did i invest in spacex because i think um I think space is the next frontier. And I think even though maybe we don't need to go there and, and it seems like kind of unnecessary, like what is the history of humanity? Like we're always mobbing to the next thing. Like we're always just expanding and growing and booming and just for better or worse. Um, yeah. And so I think the next sort of human nature wants to explore and adventure and, and just um, find out the answers to the universe. And I think a big piece of the answers lie in space. And so um, I think there's a huge... It, there's a human nature to, to explore. And I think that the, the future of humanity is so interesting. On one hand, is it Neuralink where it is, is the craziest thing to explore our own minds and getting inside this and like, or is it going out into space? Like those are the two next frontiers I see for humanity. So it's ironic that there's so, there's such a big juxtaposition there, but, um, and getting back to the more financial business side of it, like, like going to space and, and, is is the most is the biggest forcing function I can think of for innovation. Like you have to invent all of these new things if you're gonna survive in space, create a colony on Mars. Like there's so many technologies that SpaceX has to develop that will then lead to billions of dollars in market cap. Like for example, Starlink. Starlink's about to IPO in a couple of years. This is gonna be a huge spinoff of insane, savage value creation from SpaceX. Spa uh, Starlink make make more money than SpaceX ever did from launching stuff. But guess what? The reason why they have Starlink be successful is because they're so good at launching stuff. SpaceX's technology. Uh, developing the reusable rocket that can go up and land means that they can launch a satellite for one-tenth the cost or whatever. And all of a sudden it makes sense to launch a satellite network. They have the best engineers. They can re redesign the satellites. They're launching 14,000 of them before that was crazy. But so what is the next technology that SpaceX will develop in its quest to get to Mars that will spin out another trillion dollar company? Who knows? And like I said, Elon Musk, the greatest inventor of our era, you know, pioneering this effort. Um, it is just, it's epic. They're going to look back on this and be like, wow, this is crazy. So Tesla and SpaceX, my two biggest investments. Number three, Bitcoin. Love Bitcoin. Um, I, you know, man, I'm just like, I'm like, damn, what's my history with Bitcoin? Okay, so back in uh, 2012 or 2013 or 2012, I had a class at NYU and like, um, it was all about entrepreneurship. Shout out to Lawrence Lenahan, the super dope VC who was my teacher. And he brings in like Alexis Ohanian, um, the guy who started Reddit, believe it or not, and like these Bitcoin guys. And they have like a Bitcoin lecture day. And Bitcoin is literally hitting 30 bucks of all time highs. And I remember like, 
it was just crazy. And I got hooked on Bitcoin. I discovered it. That guy, Charlie Schramm, who then got arrested, was like in the class. He was like the guest lecture, like literally like 30 feet in front of me, like jumping up and down. I mean, like Bitcoin's hitting 30 bucks. Like they put on the projector while freaking out. Like anyway, didn't buy any Bitcoin then. But a year later, got into Bitcoin at like 300, started writing about uh, it for the NYU newspaper. And like, I remember I walked into my international finance class and I was like, yo, like, what about this thing called Bitcoin? Like, why are we learning about how to exchange euros for dollars and Forex and all this bullshit and interest rates when like Bitcoin's going to be the future? And like, you literally won't need this multi-trillion dollar waste of a toll road, you know, Forex industry if we can literally just use Bitcoin. Like, is this not like the holy grail of all, you know, finance, of all international finances for us to all have one global currency that's based on the internet? Like, duh, no brainer. And so nobody was on that wave. And but I've always been fascinated about Bitcoin since then. So that's when I started my position and like got into Coinbase. I applied for an internship at Coinbase in like 2012 or 2013, like went to their office and they had like 20 people. And like, I remember I sat next to the Litecoin dude at lunch and like, I didn't know he was like the creator of Litecoin, but he was like one of their engineers at Coinbase at the time. And I remember chit-chatting with him. They're like, bro, like that's the guy who started Litecoin. Like, I don't know. It's just such a, like... I don't know. I kind of like have a special place in my heart for these like Tesla and Bitcoin investments just because they were so like out there and to just see how like these little ideas that were so radical and out there have just become normalized and accepted and just grown up in such a cool way. Like, I don't know. It just, it make, gives me a lot of faith that like all these weird quirky little things that I find today that are fascinating could be the start of something huge. And so um, in some ways, I feel like I got so lucky that like my two biggest curiosities of Tesla and Bitcoin just ended up becoming this huge thing. And then next thing you know, like I'm with Michael Saylor making a video about how Tesla should buy Bitcoin and then Tesla fucking buys Bitcoin. Like who saw that coming? Like I can't even, like I couldn't even, the, fu the future is like, like who the hell knows it's going to happen next. So Bitcoin, why do I love Bitcoin? I mean, I just love programmable internet money and I'm not smart enough to to be a Bitcoin maximalist or to be an Ethereum maximalist, but I, but I feel like here's the basic way I think about it. One of the most important sort of systems or technologies that we have in our society is money or currency, the ability to store your economic inertia over time. You're going to work so hard and, and produce all this value for our civilization and the simulation, right? So how do you store that value and then use it for something you want? And to me, this is the greatest unlock of all incentive systems in humanity. And the reason why people say billionaires are a policy failure, to me, I totally disagree with that. Billionaires, the fact that they exist incentivizes so much, you know, why is Elon Musk creating all these companies and billions of dollars of shareholder value? Because he knows he can go to Mars if he does it. This is incentivizing him to create all this progress. Like this is the system for humanity's progress. And I said like money's magic. Like it just take, you just need to add a little time, right? So like if you have enough money, I'm like, bam, I want the craziest building built right there. That's 8,000 stories. It does this. Nah, nah, nah. I want a spaceship that takes us to Mars. All you need is money and time. Like this shit can happen. So I, I truly believe like, and I'm getting carried away there. One of my favorite quotes is like, your imagination is the limit to your potential. And I think that humanity's um, imagination is the limit to our own potential. Like it's truly whatever we create. And so I just think that that's such an exciting idea. And, and when I came across Bitcoin, like, and, and so, and, and yeah, so, and then when I came across Bitcoin, it's like, this is a new way, like the dollar, like every everything that's invented 100 years ago, I feel like it's already ready to be disrupted, right? Like the creature of Jekyll Island, like it's an amazing kind of conspiracy theory book about how the Fed's created, about how, you know, the Federal Reserve, all these banks come together. We're going to set up this thing. We're going to have our ability to print money, control interest rates. Like, I don't know. I just feel like that's ready, right for disruption. And to me, that's, it's, it's and not that I'm saying the entire financial system will move to Bitcoin, but just that this is a beautiful, like G check on the financial system. Like you have real estate, you have fiat, you have have gold, you have all the technology equity, you have crypto, like, or not, yeah, you have all these things, you know, why can't crypto and a, and a programmable money that's software based on the internet, that's an algorithm, that to me is inevitable, that that solution will capture a piece of the mind share of the financial system of humanity. And so, and, and like, you know, it, it's money's kind of like water, right? Or let's not call it money. It's like the economic value, right? This economic inertia and energy. It's it's like water. It's going to flow to the dopest and safest spot. And so the fact that it's all flowing to fiat right now, a 300 trillion, to me, the most insane bet you could make is that still 100% of the economic inertia will go into this fiat system when there's the pace of innovation is happening 10 times faster on this digitally native thing called the blockchain. And how is the economic inertia not going to start flowing to the blockchain? 
And that's why I think Bitcoin has been one of the most successful economic experiments of all time, moving billions of dollars of capital a day, getting around the world, 50, creating companies like Coinbase that are just piggybacking off of it that are worth 60 billion in the world's biggest IPO this year. Like that's all happening. Um, I think this is a wildly successful experiment because economic inertia is flowing like water and Bitcoin's more efficient in a lot of ways. And that's not my theory. That's just the economic data telling you so by billions of dollar capital up th flowing through it. And so you think about what people like Jack Dorsey are doing with the Square wallet um, and, and the Square hardware wallet that's coming out. I just thought, oh my God, that's going to be huge. Like you can, a billionaire with runs one of the most powerful payment companies on the world, who's like the smartest hacker I know, Jack Dorsey, this dude's a savage hacker. He loves Bitcoin. Um, and he's been putting out research about how it's actually accelerating the adoption of renewable energy. So I think Bitcoin um, is constantly misunderstood. Since I've been in the Bitcoin community and been a Bitcoin holder, like I can't, no matter what happens and I bring it up, I get hate for it. At first it was that it's not a currency. It's too volatile. Now the volatility is decreasing. Um, you know, now more people are adopting it. Now it's like, I don't know. And it just one by one, it knocks out these arguments. And I think the renewable energy argument and the energy consumption argument is the next one that it's going to knock out. Um, and yeah, so I own Bitcoin. I just, it's it's like kind of like the same thing as Tesla and SpaceX, where Bitcoin, where I, I feel like there's this sort of uncapped side, like of all the branches of possibility that could happen with Bitcoin. There's so many like amazing, inspiring, exciting things that I can't even wrap my head around. Like is some huge tech company going to integrate Bitcoin and we're all going to have QR codes that are embedded on our, on our smartphones. And that's this new sort of futuristic Venmo that takes place on the Lightning Network, the Cash App sets up. Like there's just so many like little ways that I see this happening. Additionally, the way that you can get yield on your Bitcoin. That's something I have an interview about later today. Um, could be the first real use case of why people are going to start adopting crypto is essentially like, what is a bank in the fiat system, the fractional reserve system? You give your money to a bank, they store it, they lend it out 10x on your money. For every $1 you put in, they lend out 10 bucks and then they're making interest on that. And so they give you a little bit of that interest rate, but that's a super inefficient, messed up financial system. Let's reinvent that on the blockchain. Let's let us, you know, put our crypto into these liquidity pools and get a yield from it with no middleman. We are the bank with less leverage. That's how you can get a 5% or whatever return on your Bitcoin. So that is a savage pass through of economic value from the banks and financial system to the people. And so if crypto can bring that mainstream, that's going to be epic. Okay. I got to move faster here. Ethereum, that's my next biggest holding. Okay, Bitcoin's dope, but it's just simple. The smart contract is a much bigger idea. If I, if I think Bitcoin is uncapped in its potential for all this crazy financial stuff it can do. I love this quote that like Ethereum is is the sum of like, like humanity's creativity. Like what can we create on this decentralized metaverse? Like you see these stories about like some 14-year-old just coding and deploying something on ETH. Like I love that. That's the future. And I think Ethereum is, is going to like, it's just there's so much cool stuff and possibilities happening there. It's, it's, it feels like the internet in these super early days. And like, um, I've been seeing the transactions, of the network pick up. I was skeptical of ETH for a while because it was all crappy ICOs. There was no real world use case. Bitcoin was like, all right, it's digital money. It's, it's a better store of value than like a lot of third world countries, currencies like this actually sort of already makes sense as a use case in the financial system. Ethereum doesn't, but now Ethereum's starting to look at what Gary V is doing. Take notes. This is a game changer, like collectibles, authentication. I sold my first NFT of a hyperchange episode. Like, um, I think the entire way the art industry works with royalties, like NFTs, to me, validated the ETH blockchain on a new level. I got super bullish. I think the Ethereum blockchain with this new layer two solution that could come out um, could drastically improve transaction time. And of course, it's like Tesla FSD, it's taking forever. But um, I just think Ethereum um, is on something huge. And so although invest in the future you believe in, to me, Ethereum is going to be really, really weird and scary potentially. Like imagine if some like rogue AI gets loose on one of these like decentralized computing networks and we can't shut it down. Like this is totally a sci-fi movie that might be our future. So um, I love Ethereum. And I just think I'm having more fun playing with it and buying NFTs. And um, when I see someone like Grimes putting their NFT in their content and artists getting paid, like you see these artists being the early adopters and loving it and being like, I'm finally getting paid for my art. Like, I don't know. There's something about that that really makes me happy. And I think that is a future worth investing in. So anyway, that's Ethereum. My other bet, 4% of my portfolio, 4 point, or 4 is Unisox. And so this to me is like a leverage bet on Ethereum. And actually that's how I built up my huge ETH position since my last video is I sold out a bunch of my Unisox, moved it to ETH, but I still got, you know, I still got some Unisox because I don't know. I just wanted to hold it. I mean, this is the Unisox I bought for 60 bucks. Now it's like, who knows how many thousands of dollars. So I'm holding on to Unisox because I think as Ethereum blows up, this is like the Mona Lisa, of the Ethereum ecosystem, which I know is a really weird analogy, but I do think that's what the Unisox is. And I think it could be a leverage play on ETH. And it's sort of a sentimental investment that I'm just running with. So I'm holding on to my Unisox. I, it, as I'm like justifying it because I'm like, bro, this is actually embarrassing that this much of your portfolio is in a crypto sock.
stock token, but that is what it is. So the next uh, investment, public. Okay, so this is, yeah, public. Okay, this is the investing app. Love this investing app. Um, I'm just a huge fan of what they're doing and advisor to the company, have a stock position. Honestly, because I'm like, damn, should I even be saying this? But um, because I, I was like, did a sponsored, it's like the last sponsored video I've ever done was with public um, when they were called Matador. And I hate sponsored videos. Like I never do them anymore because I just think it's a sellout of your attention. And like, honestly, shout out to the Patreons and all the people who watch the show because that's the reason that I never waste your time with like a sponsored mid-roll and I just only co cover and talk about things that I actually want to like every company you see on the channel everything I mention is like because I gave them money I invested in them I hit them up and begged them to make content like it's just such an organic authentic way to like do everything and so I just wanted to say thank y'all for supporting the show and like just like I leave a lot of money on the table by not getting sponsors but like I love that I am able to do that and so thank you um but Anyway, the point, the point is the last time I did a sponsor deal was like three years ago for this thing called Matador and I thought it was super dope and I loved the vision and said, I don't want cash. I want stock. I want to partner long term because that's just how I want to do business. I want to be incentivized. I don't want to get a G to just talk about your thing. I want to give you to give me that much in stock in equity and me to be a partner and advisor. And that's just worked out beautifully. And I love what they're doing. And I swear this little app had like 4,000 accounts when I started working with them. Now they're at like 600,000 accounts, probably way more than that now. So like... I'm just really, that's been a little inspirational story. But anyway, that's my piece of, of my investment in public. And um, yeah, just hodling that private company stock. Okay, Uniswap. 2.2% of my portfolio is in Uniswap. And I feel like this, now this stuff I didn't even buy. Like Uniswap I got as a dividend because I owned a Unisock and Uniswap did an airdrop. Uniswap is like this crazy exchange built on Ethereum that allows you to exchange all these different tokens. Um, it's sort of like an automated decentralized like um, stock exchange or Ethereum token exchange, and it's making a ton of money. The reason why I'm holding on to this is because it's it moves one of the most money on Ethereum. It's a huge crypto thing. When you think about how apps like Rainbow and MetaMask are monetizing, a lot of it's by set routing orders through exchanges, so like uh, Uniswap. So I think Uniswap is a huge stack of the value on ETH, and I don't know, I'm just kind of letting this one ride because I got it for free, and I'm just really fascinated by it, and I'm like, dude, these guys are putting up billions of numbers, the pace of innovation, um, there's something big going on here, and like it's sort of all tight, like my Unisox, my Uniswap, my Ethereum. I'd say that's all sort of an ETH metaverse bet um, in general, but those are the positions I'm probably less confident in um, than everything else in my portfolio. Okay, next st uh, startup, Daddy. Daddy is the male fertility company. Um, this is just, I made a video about it before. I think this is so, and I get like a lot of heat for saying this, that we make babies the old fashioned way still. Um, and I love what daddy's doing in this, like helping people start families, businesses. Like we've all seen the sperm, uh, male, like sperm fertility rates or whatever, like declining off of a cliff. Like, are we even gonna be able to have babies? Like, I don't know. And so my theory is that the rate uh, by, by we're going to be forced essentially to have more and more uh, babies in vitro. And so companies that are building the technology to tell you as a male, whether you're fertile or, you know, give you t more technologies and tools to help you start a family um, and eventually scale into like helping people do in vitro fertilizations like that's going to be huge and that's the future of humanity and like as much as it's weird and this crazy uh, tech sort of dystopian future like helping people start families is super important when you think about how like maybe there's an over or an underpopulation problem like we all think there's too much population but what if population starts to decay in countries like Japan Italy even the US soon where like people aren't having enough babies because it's too hard we need technology here to help us and so I actually think um, when I think about the future of humanity, as much as it makes me sad that we're getting towards this weird dystopian future where we can't even have our own babies anymore, like that is where we're headed. And so the company that's helping solve that problem, I think is dope. And I love the CEO. Like he hit me up. His name's Tom. Shout out to him. He gave me this, this awesome starship. And um, yeah, so that's a company I'm invested in. And I'm going to talk more about them in a whole, and I'm going to make a whole new video about them. So I want to save some of my theories for that. They're a private company too, though. Airbnb, that's my next public company stock. Um, that's a stock I bought most recently. I sold my Spotify. Um, I'm actually almost yesterday night, I was like, damn, I kind of want, I almost panicked sold my Airbnb stock because of this new Delta variant of COVID, bro. Like, I'm worried it's going to shut down everything that's already reclosing stuff. I mean, this could be a, like, like, if the world recloses down because of Rona, Airbnb is going to be a shitty stock pick. That's a guarantee. Um, but if it reopens and things go back to normal, this is going to be an amazing company. And just generally, I love the CEO. I think it's an incredible company. I think it has one of the, the sexiest business models I've ever seen in terms of just savage margins. There is a, the, okay, Airbnb, I swear they could make their customers 10 times happier if they just showed you the price of your Airbnb. Like, stop 
showing me the price and then being like, oh, you're ready to check out? Here's 30% of cleaning fees. Here's our cut. Here's this new service fee. Here's this tax fee. And it's like, what? Like, just tell me how much it costs. I don't give a shit about the breakdown. Like, I'll click, maybe I, let me click in and see the breakdown if I need to. But I think that's one of the most obvious on the table UI changes in the entire world right now to add value to a company um, because that's every time I make an Airbnb video, that's the constant complaint I get. But anyway, Airbnb, I think, um, and like Tesla, like, is in such this rare bucket of building a future I believe in. Like it's changing travel. It makes it fun to travel. It makes it easier to experience new cultures. It connects humans in the era where we're getting more further apart. Our ideas are getting more radicalized by the internet. Like these AIs on social media are manipulating us to make us more extreme views and make us hate each other and have extreme emotions. Platforms like Airbnb are fostering real connection, are fostering this human these human moments that I think are so beautiful. And there's been so many times where I go to countries, I didn't know the language, I don't know what the hell I'm doing, I've never been there before, but I show up to my Airbnb, they're so friendly, they take me in, I feel like I'm in this beautiful local home, they tell me, here's the lo dope local bar, here's the coolest little restaurant, hit me up if you need me, I'll give you a tour tomorrow. Like, I feel like a local, like I feel like I have family in that city and I just think, like I've just, there's not many tech companies where you're like, I use this product and this actually changed the way, changed my life for a week. This changed the way I would have experienced Croatia. Like it does. And I think they're going to do that for more than travel. They're going to do that for experiences. Their whole experiences product, which is literally called experiences, um, is going to do something similar where you can eat with someone um, or I can go get a local authentic meal. I can get an authentic tour. Like I did a, a few experiences in Japan and loved it. And so I think Airbnb um, is a rare example of a tech company where I feel really good about the mission and I feel really good about the business model and just want to be a part of this. And so that's why I own Airbnb. Okay, next one, Rainbow. I got to blast through my startups here. Okay, Rainbow Wallet. This is an, a wallet for the Ethereum uh, network. This is, I invested in it because my homie, Mike Demerai started it and I love, I just, to me, if Ethereum blows up and the metaverse blows up, it's this little blockchain with all these numbers. How the hell are we going to use it? It's not fun. It sucks. It's boring. There's no, the, to me, the stack of the value, so much of the value is the onboarding. Why is Coinbase worth 60 billion? Because they made Bitcoin accessible. That's what Rainbow's doing. They're making ETH fun. They're making ETH accessible. They're making it easy to have your NFT to store it, to send it, to save it, to swap in any token. Like if ETH blows up, to me, the wallets that make ETH accessible are A, going to be a big piece of the reason that ETH blows up is because of things like Rainbow. But B, I think that's a huge stack of the value that lies in the future of the ETH blockchain is these wallets. And I think just, I love my investment in Rainbow. I think this is like, I'm so obsessed with this company. And I just think like, I remember Mike Demerai pitching me in McCarran Park being like, bro, like we're going to create like Robin Hood meets Snapchat for Ethereum. And it's just going to be so fun and so playful. And it's going to like be exactly what we need on the blockchain. You're not going to keep your crypto kitty anywhere else. And he, and they did it and I've seen them do it. And like, I don't know. That's just major props to the rainbow team for that. So, okay. Pure Watercraft. That's another startup I invested in right across the lake in Seattle. They make electric boats, the Tesla boats. They have an announcement coming up soon. So definitely stay tuned for that. Um, I don't know. That's an investment. Like, okay. And a lot of these startup investments, you're like, Tesla is so different. Like I go in huge, I buy it. Um, and I'm like studying it for years. Six months later, I buy more stock. I see the stock go down. I buy more private companies. You don't get that chance. Like your homie hits you up about the round they're doing. You have like a week to decide and wire the money. And it's not like you can wait and see them execute in three months be like, oh, the stock's down because this bad news. I'll just buy a little more. You can't do that. And so that's actually a reason why I think my portfolio is not structured the way I want it to is because how the hell do I structure it if there's no liquidity in these assets? Like I have to like go all in and write a huge check before I even know you. And, you know, just to pay to play to be in the next round, like, I don't know, I'm still learning about this, but that's that's the negative side of private market investing. But that's why I have all these little checks and all these little startups. And frankly, like you want to know what I'm trying to do is scout these startups. These are my toe in the water positions. And as these startups execute, as they do another round where I'm my conviction um, is way higher, I'm going to, I want to allocate huge capital to that. And I want to make another big, bold bet. Like frankly, like what I'm thinking here and, and seeing after looking at my portfolio is like, I haven't made another big, bold bet since Tesla. And like, I, I mean, SpaceX was, was one, but um, I don't know. I'm kind of, and I think that's like a self defense mechanism of like, if my conviction, if there's not nothing new and exciting enough, like that tells me that there isn't anything good enough for me to put my savage, you know, huge chunk of capital into and maybe sell some Tesla stock because nothing's pulling me in that direction hard enough. But if something does, that's what I'm waiting for. It's like, I'm, I'm, I'm like waiting. I feel like I'm like, I'm like dating all these startups to see which one, you know, like, I don't know. Like I want like, yeah. So it, it pisses me off that I don't have a huge concentrated bet on another company I think can go up 50 to 100x like I did on Tesla. But the problem is that's easier said than done. You can't just find those. They're not a dime a dozen. So 
Pipe, that's another company. Um, next investment, they're making debt tradable and not even debt, basically letting you get paid for your revenues up front. Any, I mean, I'm gonna make a whole video about this. I, this is another thing I've been meaning to, but I just think they're so fascinating. Shout out to my homie Neve, who's an amazing VC, who got, I invested through an SPV that he set up to get into Pipe a while ago, actually before the huge round they just announced. So if you see that, you know, it's, I mean, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> um, but I mean, I've never seen a startup blow up as fast as Pipe. Honestly, I'm pumped to be on board. And I just think what they're doing is so interesting. And I hate this idea that everyone's, you know, diluting their cap table, giving, you know, shitty VCs all this funding when they have recurring revenue, something like Hypercharts, and we could pull that forward, you know, uh, securitize that via a platform like Pipe and get paid for our revenue up front, you know, a little more flexibility with our capital without diluting. I just think they're onto something really, really big there by giving all these SaaS companies and startup access to debt, which never before existed. And that's just a huge idea. Um, and I love what Pipe's doing there. Um, they have a savage founder called Harry too. So next one, Genies. Had this uh, founder on the channel, Akash, love this. I'm, oh my gosh, like we're talking about the Ethereum metaverse. Like who? what are we gonna be doing on the Ethereum metaverse? Like what NFTs are we trading on our rainbow app? All of the swag that our genies are rocking and putting out these virtual avatars that Bieber and Young Thug have now, but that they're uh, bringing this sort of rig technology to the masses and letting everybody have their own genie. It could eventually be your passport into the digital world. Is it your login to Instagram to Snap um, to all of this stuff, to YouTube? Um, I don't know. There's something really interesting here, and I love this idea of the metaverse, even though it's a little bit dystopian. And I think Genies is at the forefront of um, building our digital avatars, which is, I think, a huge uh, puzzle piece of the future, you know, metaverse ecosystem. And the other thing with like Genies and Pipe, like these are like startup checks that I like write super quickly. I don't have much time to do homework, and a lot of it is because it comes down to like I don't want to say FOMO, but honestly, it is FOMO. Like not even just FOMO of like. This is a good deal. You know this product. You know they have traction. I've been hearing about it. Like I'm only getting a shot to invest in these companies because I know somebody, because I'm a homie, because I have a YouTube channel, and you just got to pull the trigger on it. So it's weird that like the hardest part about investing is, has shifted from doing research to networking to get access to these deals, but that is what it is. Anyway, I'm trying to be transparent here. So Lightship, that's a startup. Um, I feel like I'm not supposed to talk about it too much, but I will be talking about it soon. That's doing such cool stuff. Um, I'm I'm homie. I love I love Lightship, and it's gonna electrify a really dope part of the industry. Yeah, that's like a product that that's a company where I invested in it because I really want the product. Anyway, Carta. That's my next investment. I mean, Carta was the first hyperguap deal. Carta is creating more owners. I think they're gonna create this exchange called Carta X. If please, I'm hoping they can get that thing to work um, where we all are able to invest in startups with the click of a button. They sort of build NASDAQ 3.0 and build this marketplace. Um, they have you know 20,000 20, companies on their platform, probably a trillion or two trillion of equity that those companies have. That's all built on Carta on these like, like digitally tradable stock certificates. They all just need to build the layer on top of that, which is allowed to make that $2 trillion equity fountain tradable. They're gonna unlock savage value when they do that. It's gonna make the world better because it's gonna be frictionless to invest in any company you want. This is gonna squash the entire VC industry once Carta launches this. And Mark Andreessen's on the board. He's already talking about how dope Carta X is and how he wants to push all his companies onto it. Like, I love what Carta's doing and I love the mission. And I think they're the company that's going to put HyperGwap out of business, which I love. And so... Bumblebee Spaces, next company. This is the one I just put out the video about, the bed in the ceiling. I mean, this is like, I go to their their warehouse in San Francisco and it's like literally like the dopest vibe, like engineers hacking this stuff together, um, all these crazy robots, all these really cool, fun, smart people building something so bold and ambitious. Um, and the thing that I love about Bumblebee is A, I've seen the technology develop so much and talking to these at first initial customers who have it, like Monty Love, like he's, he's incredible. That guy's hilarious, but like he's obsessed with his Bumblebee and I'm still been, like he just moved it when I interviewed him, but I've been following him on Instagram. He posts about his Bumblebee like every day. The dude is nonstop flexing with his Bumblebee about how it changes life, how much he loves it. Like, um, I think Bumblebee is not just a bed in your ceiling company. It's like the smart home company. How do we interact with our space in the future? How do we maximize uh, space? How do we let technology make our lives easier and store our stuff? Look, like think about where you store your stuff. You don't know where you store your stuff. You put it in a closet. It's not digitized. It's not organized. It's like, I think that's, even though it's like these things that we take for granted that don't seem like they need to be disrupted, um, there's a lot of opportunity there in, in boring sort of household stuff. And not that Bumblebee's boring at all. I actually think Bumblebee's biggest opportunity is to launch like a smart TV that comes out of your bed. And all of a sudden they, they you know, what is a TV? It's your way to interact with the metaverse. You know, maybe Bumblebee comes down with your VR headset. Like if you can be, that's why Tesla's so valuable. If you can be, that's why Snap Spectacles have so much potential. If you can be the hard, that's why Facebook is copying Snap Spectacles as fast as they can trying to get off of the Apple iPhone. If you can get, if you can be the fabric of humanity's connection, 
connection to the metaverse and the digital realm, the ETH world, where we live with our genies and have NFTs on our rainbow wallets, you are going to be worth so much money. That's why Apple's like the most valuable company in the world, because every app or piece of software runs through their hardware. So I think Bumblebee has the opportunity to launch the product that Apple can never got off the ground, the Apple TV, and have this crazy thing that comes down. All of a sudden, we're interacting with the digital world through Bumblebee. This isn't just a hardware product anymore. This is a software platform and a data platform. Um, and so... I see crazy potential with Bumblebee, and I love Sankarshan, the founder. And so, anyway, that's my investment there. Uh, Alloy Automation, this was like a really interesting company that basically automating all the stuff on the e-commerce end. Honestly, I'm not an expert in this industry at all. Um, I just kind of got lucky through a friend of a friend. Shout out to Jack and um, Sarah, who's the founder of the company. And I don't know. I just thought this was dope. Was super impressed with the founders. Had like an opportunity to write a, write a check, so I just did it. And just this idea that like... Um, the ability to automate all of these tasks. And as someone who's operating a Shopify store to do my merchant stuff, like I see so many rooms for micro automations and like just this huge industry. And I don't know, I don't even know what I'm saying here, but Alloy Automation, dope little startup. Y'all should check it out. Arkimoto, um, okay, I didn't include my comp as a board di director of Arkimoto. Um, I actually did buy a little bit of Arkimoto stock recently, like a few weeks ago. You can check it out on the SEC filings. And um, yeah, so Arkimoto hodling onto that and, you know, I can't say too much because I'm on the board. I'm still trying to work out how I can talk about it more, but it's just it's just difficult, honestly. Okay, only seven minutes left on my memory card, so I'm going like hella fast right now. But um, House, the Bougie Rosé brand. Um, this is direct-to-consumer. They're able to sell alcohol online. Shout out to Neve who hooked me up with this investment. I love the idea of a little bit less strength alcohol, sort of these fun, more artisanal things. Honestly, I, I'm a, a big fan of artisanal beverages, which sounds so lame, but like I think there's so much room to innovate with less sugar, with more higher-quality beverages, and the way that the form factor that we drink our beverages in, making it more recyclable. Really fascinated by that. Um, so House is sort of investment, piggybacking on that trend. Since then, my favorite company in the beverage space has got to be Nosotros Tequila. I mean, the guys that made the Tesla Tequila, like I'm a huge fan. Shout out to Carlos. I tried to invest in that company. They wouldn't let me. So, um, you know, I like it even more when they say that, right? Like I'm trying to invest, you know, but um, I love the, just the way they're bringing tequila production back to the OG ways, getting it more artisanal, doing it the right way, um, leveraging the internet to build a brand, not just this sort of archaic distribution network that is a shitty product, aka like JMO, Patron, all these other big alcohol brands, really shitty quality or paying for a marketing budget. Um, I think Nosotros is flipping the value of that on their head and so is House and that you're paying for artisanal quality. And um, I just think that's a tidal wave shift in the beverage industry that as a beverage industry nerd, I'm super hyped about. Pigeon Loans. This is a swag. A hyperchanger uh, hit me up, Brian. He's awesome. And he was like, yo, I'm starting this company. Um, and I don't know. I just loved his hustle. Like he built the MVP himself or he got this MVP off the ground. Um, it was to solve his own problem to basically track loans. And this is a, a kind of a product and vision that I've always thought was needed. It was like a, a social credit score, like Cash App, Venmo should be building up a credit score. And I think this is a huge opportunity to disrupt lending and debt with a peer-to-peer -peer network payment system where we all have our own credit score and, and we're able to like track loans digitally and give money to each other without the banks or this middleman and so that's what pigeon loans is doing all about helping people set up loans and track them and, and and i don't know i just love so i like the founder i like the opportunity super early investment like this is an example of investment there's a couple on here um like starman studios which is the next one which is the comic book love the comic book shout out to eli um all about starman and colonizing space and like both these investments like i was the first check in like i was the first money i negotiated it i was like this is super dope i'm gonna give you a couple grand um and so that's very different than like hopping onto a round where a VC is leading it and like you're expecting to cash out sooner because this already has momentum. These are like way earlier bets at a way earlier stage. And it's all about learning. Like that's why I'm doing this. Like that's why I'm that's why I, that's why I'm in investing. That's why I'm doing any of this shit because it's all about learning. These are all business case studies. I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to start my own business. I want to learn how the world works. Companies run the world. What better way to learn how they work than investing in them from day one, meeting with the founders, scheming on the founders about how they're building stuff, you know, whether I'm gonna invest in you at a 500 k valuation is the first money in or about to investing you at a $50 billion valuation at SpaceX before you spin out your Starlink, like, like, or at Airbnb a hundred, like it doesn't matter. I want to, they're all incredible learning opportunities, but that just goes to show you like in my portfolio, like there's so many different, um, layers and types of assets and types of stages of investments. And I love that. Like, I feel like people box themselves in with like, are you a private market investor? Are you a startup or what type of VC are you? It's like, nah, like I do it all. Okay. Gotta go fast, gotta go fast. Dominate, okay, Star Starman Studios is the uh, comic book company. Love what they're doing there. I think they're creating potentially the next Marvel universe, but built on Starman, exploring space, getting people excited about going to Mars. Like, I love that mission about sort of getting people excited about this this inspiring future that SpaceX and Elon are building. 
uh, Dominate, amazing outdoor fitness app. I did a whole video interviewing the founder. Um, I love the idea that they're bringing, when I was in LA in Santa Monica, the biggest thing I looked forward to was hitting the uh, beach after uh, work with my boy Aiden, going to a Dominate class, doing a savage workout on the beach, getting a community vibe, dancing to music, but also feeling good, being healthy and positive. And it just like made me so happy. In this world, we're all isolated. We're all working from home. Everybody's getting farther apart towards technology, investing in something that brings people together, that is revitalizing a you know abandoned parking lot to make it like look like Tulum and get everybody there to drink dope, healthy drinks and work out and feel good. Like that is building in a future that's really exciting and inspiring to me. And I just love Eddie, the founder. Like this dude has got 8,000% energy and like is just going at a million miles a minute. And um, I just love it as a customer. So that's another one where it's super early stage. Who knows what the hell will happen, but I really want to be involved and I hope they succeed because the world will be better if like we are all have dom like every city I'm in. I'm in Seattle right now. I wish they had dominate classes. They don't. So hopefully my investment will help them expand. Adams, the shoe company. This is my first startup investment ever. So shout out to Neve for that too. But um, I know it looks small, and that's the other thing I'm saying. Like I'm trying to get. I'm honestly, I'm not even gonna lie. I've been. I've, I had a meeting with Adams, and I was begging them to let me invest more money because I wear my Adams all the time. I'm obsessed with this company. I love Wakas and Sidra, the founders. Like I just think there's eight billion people on the world. We all need comfy shoes. This is a huge opportunity. I've tried Yeezys. I've tried Jordans. I've been doing the homework. I've getting my Yeezys if I didn't have to go all the way downstairs now. But my Yeezys are not as comfy. You can drop hundreds of dollars on the Yeezy Boost with Adidas. They suck. They're garbo. Frankly, everybody at the airport has them too, and it's whack. Honestly, Adams are doper. I love, they're comfier, they're cheaper, they look more swag, they're more versatile, you're not flexing with the logo. Like, I think I've tried, like, I'm more convinced and my conviction in Adams is the highest it's ever been at any point because I've been using their product for four years and I literally have been getting back into my sneaker game trying to find a sneaker that's comfier and I can't. So, what costs? Crushing it, bro. Um, and Sidra, like, I, I'm so proud of what you guys have built and just, like, so happy to be involved and, like, honored to be able to cover it. And, like, they just had a baby, so congrats on that. And I don't know, like, Oh, man, I just love investing in companies where I get to meet these founders that are like the coolest people ever and they get to tell me about their businesses and like just like supporting them and watching them grow and like create their little vision and make it happen. Like, how could you not love that? And so I love getting, that's that's one of the things about startup investing that really makes me happy. And I'm like, oh, I'm investing in all these companies people can't access. I'm only helping the rich get richer. Gally, you're, you're a fucking sellout. Like, but then I'm like, bro, like I see these founders, I'm helping them get money. I can help them bring their product to the world faster, maybe a little bit. And like, it's, you know, I'm not gonna be meeting and scheming with Elon nonstop. I wish I was, Elon, I'm down, but like these startup founders, I will be, and I feel like I really can help them with my network and my connections and my vision. And so um, that's super duper rewarding to me. And I feel like Adam's like, I haven't really helped them at all, but I mean, I've tried to make videos about them and I wear my, I've on like my 10th pair of Adam's, like I wear them nonstop. I got all my homies to wear Adam's too. Like, yeah. And so um, anyway, okay, I'm getting sidetracked. Dogecoin, I bought a little Dogecoin because yes, it's a shitty abandoned project, but Elon Musk can manifest an improvement to the network, can manifest adoption, has amazing brand um uh you know a currency is just what we all decide to put trust in doge is winning mindshare believe it or not i'm invested in it. it's point one of my portfolio i want to learn i think this has potential it's like the interplanetary galactic currency that's what elon wants it to be so damn that sounds filthy i mean um community this app where you can text the number and they, they'll hit you back genius idea um when i had interviewed rap my favorite rapper sam lachow he said this was his favorite social network and his engagement was off the charts ever since then i've been like fascinated by this community app and this number and this new way to engage with your fans i think they're onto something really really big there um the last two ones, Stoke Space, some random space startup that I invested in, super tiny amount just because some homie told me to. Snapchat, this is shares that I've owned for like years now just because I love the spectacles. I've just been leaving them because I love Snap and I'm like way up on my position even though it's like nine shares or something like really ridiculous. But um, anyway, that is what it is. So I'm like, okay, I got to check how much time we have left. Oh shit, we're out of time. Okay, thank you so much. I love y'all. Thank you so much for supporting. I'll see y'all next week. Get to Patreon. I'll get to Patreon questions next week. I promise. I'm sorry I didn't have time. Y'all are all amazing. Ha happy Sunday. Peace.